Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit SugarHillChurch.com. Awesome. Man, what a sweet morning already. Well, if you have your Bibles, we'll be finding Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, I'm going to read you a couple of verses. But as I said earlier, we've been in this series called Likewise, and it really sprang from uh, one of Pastor Chuck's sermons that he preached back in August, where he talked about the story of the Good Samaritan, where this guy asks, hey, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells the story, and you probably know the story, but he tells the story about people that pass by this guy in need. And then finally, one guy stopped and he went above and beyond what could have ever been expected. And so Jesus tells the story and then he turns to the guy and asks the question, which one do you think is the neighbor? Then at the end of this encounter, he says, go and do. Ah, that was pretty good. Let's try it again. Go and do. Likewise, And I love that because in our world, there are a lot of pressures around us, aren't there? I mean, there's drama, there's junk going on, there's shut down. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And what I like about this Likewise series is in the middle of the drama, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of life as we know it, it's the simple reminder that the example that every single one of us is to follow is the example of Christ. It's the example of Christ, that Jesus left heaven, he came to this earth, he lived the life that he's calling all of us to live. And so over the last several weeks, we've taken snapshots and said, what would it look like if we imitated Christ and lived like him? And what one of the powerful things I love about this is that in our world, the more chaotic it gets, the more the temptation is for us to back away from it. In fact, what I've noticed over the years is that we have one of three different responses to the world around us. One response, whenever we see the world going crazy, we see sin just sort of going rampant around us. One of our responses has been just to back away and basically hide away. I mean, one of the responses has been just to cocoon away and to say, you know what, I'm not going to impact my world. I'm not going to interact with my world. I'm just going to stay back in my bubble. That's one response. A second response that I see people do oftentimes is not back away necessarily, but they combat the world around them. So they have the crosshairs of of drama and they go around and they try to combat what they see around them. And then a third temptation is just to blend in and become like the world. And so one of the great challenges is, well, what, what are we supposed to do? I mean, what would it look like for us to go and do likewise? And what I see in the life of Christ is he didn't do any of those things. Jesus didn't back away and hide away in some cocoon and say, well, one day the end of the world is going to happen and then bless God, he'll be back. He doesn't do that. Jesus also doesn't become just like the world. In fact, here's what I found about Jesus is that Jesus uniquely lived in such a way that he was in the world without becoming part of it. In fact, one of the things that I love about Jesus is that he lived in such a way that when he was around the religious people, they got uncomfortable, didn't they? Whenever he was around the religious leaders, the church leaders, they got uncomfortable because they said, Jesus, you're too much like the world. Jesus, you hang out with sinners. Jesus, you hang out with tax collectors. Jesus, you went to a meal at all these people's houses. What's the deal? And so whenever Jesus was around religious people, they thought he was too worldly. And yet the flip side is true as well. Whenever Jesus hung out with worldly people, they thought he was too religious. 
Hey, what's the deal, Jesus? Why don't you do this? Jesus, what's the deal? And Jesus had this amazing ability to live life right down the middle where he was able to impact the world around him. My question this morning is, how do you do that? I mean, how do we do that? If God left us here for a reason, if God has placed our church in Sugar Hill on purpose, if we're part of Gwinnett County for a reason, how do we live that out? How do we have the same ministry of Jesus? Because here's what you find is that wherever Jesus went, whether it's religious people or those far away, whether it's in some tax collector's home or it was in the synagogue, here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus was able to meet people where they were at and help them to grow in a relationship with him. That's what God has called us to do. God has called us to help reach people where they're at and help them to take the next step in knowing him personally. If you have your Bibles, look at it. Luke chapter five. If you've got the sermon note page, you've got the little handout, I'm gonna ask you to jot down a couple of things as we ask this question, how do we go and do that? Listen to what happens. In Luke chapter five, Jesus is traveling and Jesus is teaching. Jesus has been going from place to place, from city to city, from people to people. And as he goes, his popularity begins to grow. What begins to happen is every place he goes, people begin to show up. Every place he goes, people begin to show up and say, we want to hear him. And so here's what happens in Luke chapter five. So many people show up that Jesus runs out of space to stand. I mean, everybody's pressing in. Everybody's coming around him. Everybody's like, I want to hear from Jesus. And so here's what happens in Luke chapter five, looking around, seeing no place to stand. Jesus looks and what he sees is he sees an empty boat. In fact, there are some fishermen that have been fishing all night long. They've been casting their nets, pulling them back in. They catch nothing. And so the next morning, there they are. They're on the shore with their boats beside them. They're, they're cleaning their nets. They're about to store them. And here's what Jesus does. He walks up to a guy named Simon, who we also know as Peter. He walks up to Simon Peter and says, I want to use your boat for a platform. And what we begin to see in Luke chapter 5 is a snapshot of how Jesus meets people where they're at. Big point number one, if you're taking notes, big point number one is Jesus introduced them to his presence. If you're taking notes, just write that phrase down. Jesus introduced them to his presence. Here's what it says, Luke 5, verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. This is also known as the Sea of Galilee. Listen to verse 2. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and they were washing their nets. In other words, they're finished. They're done. We didn't catch anything. We're packing up. But listen to verse three. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and he began teaching the people from the boat. Verse four. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And what begins to happen in this story is Jesus takes this guy, Peter, and he helps him come closer. Here's what I find fascinating. When I was growing up and I heard people talk about the disciples, I always put them on a higher shelf than everybody else. I don't know if y'all ever do that. If you ever have sort of that group of people that when you hear about David or you hear about Samson or Noah or Peter, I sort of would put them on this top shelf and say, well, they're Bible people, right? They're Bible people. They, they, they're different than you and me. But what I found as I've studied the life of these disciples is they're just ordinary guys. 
These are just ordinary guys. In fact, for a lot of them, they were basically rejects of their day. They were guys that didn't cut it as a teenager. And so they didn't follow a rabbi because they weren't sharp enough, smart enough. They didn't memorize enough. And so they went back to the family trade. In this case, for Peter, it is fishing. And one of the things that I used to think when I was a teenager especially is I thought that whenever Jesus called the disciples, it was some mysterious sort of creepy moment. I thought, you know, people like Peter just sort of sitting there minding their own business. He's just sort of cleaning his nets. And then Jesus walks up and maybe it's because he's got blue eyes or flowing hair. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with something and it's not working. Awesome. But I thought, well, there's just something about the way Jesus looked. There's something about Jesus locking eye contact with them that made Peter go, ooh. Now, the students in the first service helped me with it, but you got to pretend the students are in this hour. Everybody on the count of three, just go, woo, one, two, three, woo. So I thought there's just something creepy, right? Jesus walks up, locks eyes, woo, follow me. Yes, I'll follow you. But you know what I find? If you study scripture, that oftentimes these guys already knew who Jesus was. Oftentimes, they were already around Jesus. Oftentimes, they had already heard Jesus teach. In fact, if you rewind to Luke chapter 4, Peter knew Jesus because Jesus showed up at his house and he healed his sick mother-in-law. He knew who Jesus was. In fact, if you look over in the Gospel of Mark, before this encounter that we're looking at today, Jesus had invited Peter and some of his friends to journey with them. What's the point? The point is, Peter already knew who Jesus was. The point is, Peter had already seen Jesus teach. Peter had already heard Jesus talk. Peter had already seen Jesus heal the sick. He knew about Jesus. He was introduced to his presence. In fact, if you're taking notes, let me just sort of break it down. A, Peter knew Jesus as A, a friend. He knew him as a friend. He had journeyed with them. He had gone with Jesus to one of his ministry encounters and then went back to fishing. He had been in the presence of Jesus. He had, he had slept in the same places that Jesus slept. He had eaten meals with Jesus. He saw Jesus teach small crowds and large crowds. He knew Jesus, A, as a friend, and then B, if you're taking notes, he knew Jesus as somebody that's interested and involved. He knew Jesus is somebody that's interested and involved. He was involved in Peter's mother-in-law's life. He was involved in Peter's not having any fish. He fished all night, caught nothing. And so Jesus says in verse four, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Here's a guy that isn't just preaching at people. Here's a guy that's interested in my life. So A, he knew him as a friend. B, he knew him as somebody that was interested and involved. C, if you're taking notes, he knew him as a provider. He knew him as a provider. Here's what it says in verse six, and we'll get to this in a few minutes. But in verse six, it says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. And so for, for Peter, Jesus isn't just a story. For Peter, Jesus isn't just some guy that's a good teacher. He is a friend. He is a provider. He is somebody that is interested in and involved in my life. He was introduced to the presence of Jesus. That's what I love about Sugar Hill Church, is that every single Sunday people are coming to church and it's an opportunity for people to be introduced to the presence of Jesus. That's why I love a team that goes to Haiti. So here's some kids that otherwise may not see the tangible love of Christ. And through 
packaging meals, through giving them to those families, through showing the love of Jesus, they are introduced to his presence. You and I are called to do that. In fact, earlier this week, I was able to sit down with a young mom that wants to be baptized. And anytime somebody wants to get baptized, I love to be able to just sit down and hear their story. Tell me about your life. Tell me about what Christ is doing in your life. And it was such a privilege to get to hear her story. As she sat in my office and sort of recounted her story, she said, hey, basically, I grew up in a good home. I grew up in church. I made a decision as a kid. And then you fast forward 20 or 15, 20 years later, she said to me, several months back, back in May, there was a friend that she saw on a weekly basis. And every time she was around that friend, they talked about Jesus. They talked about Jesus. So this young lady's telling me, look, I, I made a decision as a kid. I, I wasn't a bad person, but I just, just wasn't really fully engaged. And back in May, she's talking to this friend who keeps pointing back to Jesus. And she said to me in my office a few days ago, that was a game changer in my life. Somebody introduced her to the presence of Jesus. And that's one of the things I love about our community groups. That's one of the things I love about our growth groups. I've been hearing reports back of people that just showed up, people that just signed up. They're like, I don't really know. I don't really know. I don't really know what the deal is. And week after week after week, people are being introduced to the presence of Christ. I mean, I, I got a long email like two weeks ago from, from just a, a casual gathering in Andy and Leah Smith's house. And I heard about how God used that moment to introduce people to the presence of Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Whatever our job is, wherever we go, whatever our status is, that we really, here's the business you and I are in, are, we're in the business of helping people be introduced to the presence of Christ. Whether that's a conversation at work, whether that's a conversation with your kid, whether that's leading a community group or a growth group, week after week after week after week, we can't make people fall in love with Jesus, but what we can do is we can set up the first date, can't we? I can't, I don't know what somebody's going to do with the life of Christ. I can't make them have faith. I can't make them fall in love with Jesus. But what I can do is I can try to provide an opportunity to introduce them to the presence of Christ and set up that first date. You are a matchmaker. Doesn't that sound a little weird at church? You're a matchmaker. You don't need some website for that. You don't need sugarhillsingles.com. You don't need that. Although that would probably be a good domain to buy if anybody's in the business. That was awkward. A couple of awkward laughs. Just sort of introduced to his presence. Peter knew who Jesus was. But it doesn't stop there. Big point number one, he was introduced to his presence. But big point number two, it led to incremental progress. It led to incremental progress. The second part that I thought about disciples was first that they just mysteriously said, okay, of course, I'll follow Jesus. And then the next thing I thought is that immediately their lives, they got their acts together. I thought, well, in just an instant, in just a moment, they got it together. But here's what you find in scripture is that it, that people are a work in progress. Isn't that true of our own lives? That we're a work in progress. That, 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 that we haven't arrived yet. In fact, if we're still breathing, God's not done with us yet. If we're not dead, God's not done with us. We're a work in progress. And so one of the temptations is to look at the Gospels and forget that this has been condensed. To forget that this is a Reader's Digest version. To forget that this is just a snapshot. And so we read passages like this and we think, well, they immediately got it. So what's wrong with me? 
or they immediately got it. So what's wrong with the people around me? How come they don't get it? But here's what you see in scripture is that Jesus met people where they were and he helped them to take the next step. Let me show you this. Look back in Luke chapter five, listen to verse three. Here's what it says in verse three. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land and he sat down and he began teaching. So where's Peter in this moment? He is in the boat, right? And so here's Jesus teaching the crowd and Peter is there in his presence. So if you're taking notes underneath that second point, let me show you how this progression takes place. A, Peter starts out as a listener. Peter starts out as a listener. Hey, Jesus is teaching in my boat. I might as well hang out. I can't go anywhere else. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. And that's where all of us start. None of us come to you know, walk straight into a fully developed faith. We all start as listeners. That's why I encourage people get plugged into a growth group, get plugged in to the next round of community groups when they're offered, get plugged into a place, someplace where you can listen. And so Peter shows up and he's like, I, I don't know what else I'm going to do. So I might as well listen, but listen to what happens as this goes on. In verse four, it says, and when Jesus had finished speaking, he turned and he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now, honestly, I would have loved to have seen what Peter's reaction was in that moment. If you know anything about Peter's story, this guy's insidious. This guy had the amazing spiritual gift of throwing, you know, just going nuts on Jesus. He, he, you know, you never knew what he was going to say. He was one of those guys that when he said something, he often wanted to take it back. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever had that moment where you're saying it and you're like, holy cow, I wish I could take that back. Peter did that every single day. <laughs> and so I would have loved to have been there in that moment where Jesus says to Peter, what, what does Peter do for a living at this point? He is a fisherman. What did Jesus's dad do when he was growing up? He was a Carpenter. <laughs> and so part of me expects Peter to go off and be like, excuse me? <laughs> hey, you're the teacher guy. You're the son of a carpenter. I'm the professional fisherman. I've been fishing all night. I caught nothing. And now you're telling me to go out in the worst part of the day because going out in the sunlight when the water is warm, there's not going to be any fish around. This isn't the time. But here's what Peter did. Peter was a person that was willing to be a learner. He was smart enough to know that he doesn't know it all. He was open enough to know, hey, Jesus isn't asking me to do anything crazy. He's not asking me to do something that I'm going to regret. I've listened to him. I've seen him do things in the past. I'm willing to learn. That's a progression. We start as listeners. We start coming and just, just download it. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come. I'm going to, I'm going to sit in a class. I'm going to come to a service. I'm going to listen online. I'm going to get it to a small group. I, I'm not totally in, but I'm willing to listen. And what begins to happen over time is we become learners, where we begin to hear a truth, where Pastor Chuck breaks something down. We're like, hey, that's not too crazy. Maybe I'll try that. Maybe I'll apply that. And here's what happens in the life of Peter. He goes from being a listener to a learner. And ultimately, he becomes, see, a leader. He becomes a leader. So what happens in the story is he, he does what Jesus asked him to do. He casts out the net. He pulls them back in. And as he's pulling them back in, the nets begin to break. Jesus doesn't just look at his need and say, well, I'll give you a couple of fish. Or I'll, I'll sort of meet your need. Jesus, like he always does, he goes above and beyond. And here's what it says. Uh, verse five, Peter says to him, master, we worked hard all night, yet we caught nothing. Listen to verse six. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began 
to break. And so here's what happens by the end of this passage in verse 11. It says, and when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed him. That's a process. Peter didn't start that way. Peter wasn't that way when Jesus came to his mother-in-law's house. Peter wasn't that way on his first journey, but he stayed in a place where he could listen. He stayed in a place where he could learn. And ultimately over time, he becomes a leader, right? If we're not dead, then God's not done with us. Let's give ourselves some slack and say, man, God's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for people to, to have it all together. He's looking for people that will stay in the process. That's how we grow up. It's not by being perfect, not by figuring it all all out with our heads, but by staying in the process to say, God, you're not done with me. God, you're not done with the people around me. I'm going to stay in the process. So number one, it starts when we're introduced to his presence. Number two, it leads to incremental process. That process happens over time. Sometimes it's faster. Some people, sometimes it's painfully slow. Sometimes it's extremely messy, but it takes time. And then here's big point number three. It leads to an intentional pursuit. It leads to an intentional pursuit. That was the story of the young mom I met with this week where, where, where she grew up around the things of God. She grew up in the things of God. But back in May, there was a game-changing moment where her life became even more intentional. I want to follow him. And that's what happens for Peter. That's what, that's what happens in Peter's life that, that he sees Jesus do this. In fact, look what it says in verse eight. It says, when Simon Peter saw that, when he saw what? When he saw the nets beginning to break, when he saw the amazing load of fish, when he had to call over his friends and say, hey, bring your boat. We've got all of this stuff. When he saw this, it says, he fell down at Jesus's feet saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Peter's first response is, Jesus, there's something different about you. Jesus, you're different than everybody else. Jesus, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a normal guy. Get away from me. I don't need to be in your presence. And here's what Peter began to learn. It wasn't his perfection that Jesus is looking for. It's his openness to him. In fact, I think the thing that Peter missed at this moment is Jesus is not looking for perfection. He's looking for people to willingly say, I'm not perfect. Jesus isn't looking for the perfect. He's willing for, he's looking for people that are willing to say, look, I, I've got junk. I've got baggage. I've got stuff going on. It was Peter's unperfectness, if that's, or his imperfectness that put him in the position to be with Jesus. Listen to what happens. I love this. It says in verse nine, for amazement had seized him. And all of his companions because of the catch of fish that they had taken in. And also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who, who, who partnered with Simon. And listen to this. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed him. That's the end result of this process. There's not shortcuts. There's not a quick way to it. It starts by us being in his presence. It starts by us staying in his presence so that he can grow us up from listener to learner to leader. And here's what happens in the life of Peter. And here's what happens in the life of any follower of Christ is there comes a moment where we intentionally begin to follow him. 
And here's what Jesus says to Peter. Peter, you've been fishing for fish. And now, Peter, I'm going to cause you to fish for men. See, here's the thing that Peter had to learn was that he didn't just have a net that he's throwing out and casting out pulling back in, casting out and pulling back in. Peter didn't just have a net. Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, you are the net. Peter, I'm going to use you to cast out into this world of people that are far away. Peter, I'm going to use you to cast you out into the deep where you think there's no hope. And Peter, I'm going to use you to pull people back in closer to me. And as we think about this idea of going and doing likewise, that's exactly what God is calling every single one of us to do. Well, I'm not worthy. Well, that unworthiness is what puts us in the proper place to be used. Well, I don't have it all figured out. Jesus didn't require that. Jesus didn't say to Peter, now you go and memorize these things, you get it all figured out, and then, and then you can become a fisherman of men. Now, Jesus is looking and he's saying, who are the people that are willing that when they go back to work, instead of joining in and all the negative talk and all the gossip and the backbiting, to go back to work and become a net that casts out and pull people closer to God. Where are the parents that are going to see their child not just as a mouth to feed, but as a person to cast the net out and pull them back in? Where are the people in our society that, that instead of backing away and hiding away would say, I want to be a net and I want to cast out? See, here's what Jesus says. Fast forward to the end of the book of Matthew when Jesus is about to leave this place and go back to heaven. Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, now you go and make what? Make disciples. Cast out the net and pull people in. But the only way you and I can do that is if we know him. That's where it all starts, isn't it? There's no way we can work for him unless we know him. And so if there's never been a moment that you've truly known him, if there's never been that moment like this young lady described to me, a game-changing moment where she put her full faith in him, that's where it all begins. This morning, you can start there. This morning, if that's never happened for him, for you. You can ask him to step out of heaven and step into your heart to become the leader, the Lord, the person in charge of your life. You can do that right now, right where you're sitting. And then for those that are already believers, you already know Christ. You've been introduced to his presence. You've started this process. Maybe somewhere along the way, you've stalled out. Maybe somewhere along the way, you've started to give up hope. And my reminder to you is that God is not done with you. God's a process God. He's committed to the long haul. And so today, if you've wandered away, today, if you've stalled out in the process, my prayer is that today you would stop and you'd say, Jesus, would you help me to grow? Would you?